0: topic today on New Hope Radio and the Hope Club Podcast. Don't forget you can catch us at newhoperadio.live, YouTube and Facebook, and at uh, 1590 AM, 92.7 FM, and the Hope Club uh, – that's right, the Hope Club Podcast, on demand anytime. Today we're going to examine an aspect of Christianity that is rarely covered. Some might even wonder why we cover it at all. Well, I'll tell you why. This topic is important because in the natural sense it is the current through which life flows and waste is eliminated. It is the subject of blood. And we're going to see not only the value of natural blood, but the value of the precious blood of Christ. Blood really has a couple of significances. Number one, it contains life. Number two, you know it's also the symbol of relationships. To say someone is my blood is to say, they are of my family. I want you to think spiritually of being in the family of God through the shed blood of Christ. So because of this, here's what God said, the shedding of one's blood or the taking of a life, it's a very sensitive nature. God had a commandment prohibiting that. As a matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 9, you know what it tells us in verse 6? And God, you know, he knows what it means to preserve life and to preserve society, okay? And he said in Genesis 9, 6, whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. God introduced capital punishment. Some people say, oh, that's not right. Well, God said, if you shed man's blood, by man, your blood will be shed. And this is why. For, for in the image of God, he made man. Blood is precious. In the Old Testament, blood was forbidden by God to be eaten by his people. It's like, you don't eat blood, you don't drink blood. God's people were prohibited from that in the Old Testament. And Leviticus 17.11. Here's what it says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood by reason of the life that makes atonement. So we know that through the Old Testament, beginning with Moses, when an animal was sacrificed, it was the blood of the animal that made atonement for the sins of the people, okay? The blood of the sacrificial animal was that which, I'm not gonna say it was the purchase price for their sins, but what it did was it pointed to the shed blood of Christ on the cross 4,000 years later. That was the purpose of the sacrificial animal and the blood in the Old Testament. It was a sign a picture of what the Messiah would do when he came 4,000 years later. So, therefore, the blood belonged to God and should not be eaten by man. The blood belonged to God and should not be shed by man. Okay? That's why God protects the blood. So, again, he said, the life of the flesh is in the blood— I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your sins. It is the blood by reason of the life that makes atonement. So think about it. God made a way that man's sins could be atoned for, that we could be made right with him. So what I want to do is just look at three aspects of the blood, okay? I think if we can learn something about the blood, it will really enhance our Christian walk and our appreciation as well. Number one, let's talk about sacrificial blood. We go to the New Testament, Hebrews 9.22. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Hmm. Now, this began in the garden when the Lord sacrificed an animal to clothe Adam and Eve. Remember that scene? Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit. It wasn't an apple. We don't know what it was. Everybody says it was, but we don't know. Could have been pomegranate. And they realized they were naked. So the Lord came and sacrificed an animal and gave them clothing or coverings to wear. But that was the first picture of a sacrifice to cover the sin of an individual. You know what I was thinking of recently? You know what fashion shows are? Fashion shows are a testament to the sin nature. We wear clothes because of our sin nature, right? We don't run around unclothed because we'd be humiliated or embarrassed, right? So we wear clothing as a testament to our sin nature. So now we have these fashion shows, (laughs) and people design all these crazy clothes, right? And all, all they're doing is saying, yes, we have a sin nature, and we have to cover ourselves even with these goofy clothes. You can't argue against God, come on. So the sacrifice began in the Garden of Eden, and then it continued with the exodus and the deliverance from Egypt. Remember the Passover, when God gave them instructions to take the little baby lamb into the home, and after three days, slay it, put his blood on the doorpost. When the angel of death came by, where he saw the blood, he spared the child. Where he didn't see the blood, he killed the firstborn child of that house, and the Egyptians suffered a great loss because they didn't have the blood. And then... It was observed when the temple was built in Jerusalem. And all of these utilizations of blood all pointed to what Christ would do when he came and offered himself on the cross of Calvary. So the point is shed blood has always been required for deliverance from sin and its punishment. Okay, so who can argue with God that the shed blood is not necessary when it came at a, oh, here it comes, cost to himself? Because it was the blood of the Son of God that really was the purchase price for the sins of the world. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 9.12, not through the blood of goats and not through the blood of calves, But through his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. That's what Jesus did. That is the sacrificial aspect of blood. Okay? The atonement was in the blood. Now, secondly, let's talk about the cleansing aspect of blood. Do you know that blood cleanses? To cleanse means to rid of impurities. Now, this comes in the realm of the body, the soul, the heart, and the mind. Okay? Let's go back. Leviticus 14. The priest would cleanse a house where there was leprosy with the blood of a bird that was sacrificed, okay? It was a ritual cleansing that they did, okay? Leprosy was considered an unclean affliction. So the priest would go in with the blood of a bird and cleanse the house ritually, okay? Now, but wait a minute, how about a cleansed conscience? Oh, this is the important one. The next verse, Hebrews 9.13. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling those who have been defiled, sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, how much more will that cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. God knows the conscience is a vital part of our being. You know, the conscience gets people to do things good and bad. Your conscience will cause you to do a good work for someone. It could cause you to be helpful. It could cause you to be generous. But a conscience can also cause you to be guilty, to be ashamed. Some people take their own lives because of their conscience. But with, with the shed blood of Christ, here comes the breakthrough now, listen. With the shed blood of Christ, the guilt is removed. Do you realize that there are people that take their own lives because of a guilty conscience? And if you understand what the shed blood of Christ has done, how it removes the guilt, no one has to take their life. No one has to sink that low into depression. It's really a matter of seeing Jesus for who He is. Because what He's done is remove the guilt from the heart. Where, where we need a perfect forgiveness, that forgiveness has been accomplished, that's an advantage that the follower of Christ has in this world. Forgiveness. And if you're a Christian today, you need to know that you are totally and completely forgiven by God. Okay? You're totally and completely forgiven. That your conscience has been washed. Verse 22 says, all things are cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So the fact that in the Old Testament, animals were sacrificed to show the people, there is forgiveness coming. And then when Christ came, he offered his precious blood, and he accomplished forgiveness for the sins of the world. And that forgiveness is appropriated, here it comes now, at the moment of believing. Jesus did the work, our part is to believe what he did. It's to embrace it, to receive it, and say, yes, thank you, Lord, for what you did for me. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, Acts 16.31. That's our part, because Christ has done the work. He shed his blood, and now forgiveness has become a potential for anyone and everyone. See, there's no reason people have to go through life unforgiven when Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. Come on. Hebrews 10.14 says, for by one offering, speaking of Christ, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. By one offering, which one? His body on the cross. And he perfected those who are sanctified. Who are sanctified? Sanctified means set apart. Who are they? The ones that believed. The ones that said, Yes to Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me and atoning for my sins. And now I have forgiveness with God and everlasting life. We have a complete. Cleansing. Even the things in the future you haven't done yet, you're cleansed of them. You say, how can that be? Because when Jesus died 2,000 years ago, none of your sins were committed because you weren't born yet. So he died for all future sins, and even your future sins and mine. So what do we have so far? We're speaking about the blood. There is a sacrificial aspect of the blood. In the Old Testament, it atoned for the people's sins, simply meaning it gave them hope. It gave them hope that the once and for all sacrifice would come, and that animal was a symbol of that. And then when Jesus came, he was the last sacrifice. And then the second aspect of the blood, it has a cleansing power. It cleanses our conscience, so you can go through life and you can still know that God loves you and accepts you, and you don't have to be guilty, and you don't have to be ashamed of the things you've done, because God has washed them all away. As a matter of fact, he doesn't even have a record of them. You know, when someone hurts you and you forgive them? You still have the record in your memory. But when God forgave us, he erased the memory. There's no record. He erased the whole thing. It's gone. Your slate is clean. That's how God sees us. The third aspect that I want to get to today regarding blood is a seal of the covenant. Now, Jesus himself, he said at the Last Supper with his disciples in Matthew 26, Here's what it tells us. When he had taken a cup and given thanks. Wow. Jesus gave God the Father thanks for that cup. That was a cup of judgment. So Jesus took a cup and gave thanks. And he gave it to his disciples. And he said, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now, the word covenant, it means a contract, a testament. It's a plan of agreement between two parties. And who are the two parties in this agreement? God the Father and God the Son. That's who's in the covenant. It's not us and God. God. As God the Father in Jesus Christ, they're in the covenant. It's a plan of agreement between them. And what is that plan of agreement? That whosoever believes in the Son of God has eternal life. That's the contract. The contract is, son, you're going to die for the sins of the world and you're going to shed your blood. And whoever believes in that and embraces that for salvation will be granted forgiveness. And boom, they seal the deal. That was their agreement. Why? Because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Okay? So I want you to think about that contract. We are the beneficiaries, but we were not participants. It's God the Father and God the Son. Jesus said, I give you a new covenant. The new one was about his blood replacing the animal blood. That was the new covenant. And then when we get to John chapter 19, we have the final act of shedding blood. The final act where one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. Now, that was a very interesting scene. When the soldier speared Jesus, blood and water came out. There's a medical doctor. His name is Dr. Stroud, and he lived in London in the 1800s. And in 1847, concerning the death of Christ, he wrote something. And you know what he wrote? He wrote that Jesus died from a laceration of the heart due to extreme agony and sorrow. The, the word used, which I'll probably mispronounce, is "extra." extravasated, extra vasated. okay? Blood leaked from the heart. That's what that means. When blood leaks out of the heart, it's extravasated, okay? Usually, when people were crucified back in the days of ancient Rome, a victim remained on the cross for several days as they died a Slow death. But Jesus died within a few hours. I'm like, oh, how'd that happen? How did Jesus die so quickly? When it took days. That was the intention to make these guys suffer. Jesus died in a few hours. How did he die? His heart was literally broken and blood flowed out, causing his death. When the spear was thrust into his side, the blood and the water came out, but he was already dead. The Scriptures tell us that. And and the reason they they didn't break his legs like they did the other two, because he was dead. But they speared him anyway, just for the heck of it, to make sure. But because he was already dead, blood and water came out. You could say that Jesus died of a broken heart. Remember when he was in the garden? He was under such pressure, Luke tells us, his sweat was like great drops of blood. That the pressure was so intense, blood was coming through his pores of his skin. That's pressure. And now here he is on the cross, right? What's he doing? He, he's bearing the sins of the world. He's bearing the judgment of God. He's completely all alone. Father, why have you forsaken me? Suspended above the earth. The earth didn't want him. Below heaven, heaven didn't want him. Nobody wanted him. He's completely alone his father turned his back on him. And his heart was broken and blood poured out. And when the soldier speared him, the blood was just looking for an exit wound and it poured out. Can you see why we must take the blood so seriously? You know what Peter said? Peter said in 1 Peter 1.18, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers. No, there's nothing you could do to buy your salvation. He said, but wait, you were redeemed with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, and then he qualified it, the blood of Christ. That was the purchase price, the blood of Christ. Unblemished, no taint of defilement, because there was never any type of sin in the mind of Jesus, on the lips of Jesus, on the hands of Jesus, the feet of Jesus, and the life of Jesus. Man, completely pure. That's how he kept himself completely pure and free from sin. Why? Because he knew what he came to do. He knew, my blood, how can it atone for the sins of the world if I am not unblemished, if I am not perfect? I have to be the perfect sacrifice for those people. And if I slip up just once, I'm disqualified. And the world remains lost and condemned. See what Jesus did? He did it for us. And why don't more people embrace that? I don't know. I don't know. Why? Why did you embrace it? Why did I embrace it? You know why I think? Because I believe we wanted it. I believe we had a desire to know. I think it begins with desire. That if anyone has a desire to know God, God will reveal himself to them. But those that have no desire, they remain in the dark. And like Jesus said to the Pharisees, you will die in your sins. Man. And that means that your sin, though Jesus suffered for it, that your sin is still—I going to—how how do, how do I say it? You have not benefited benefited from the sacrifice, so you're, st- you're you're still condemned. Your sin has still condemned you, and you're lost. See, when we're born into the world, we're born lost. And that's why Jesus said, you must be born another time, again, and no then. It means from above. It's the spiritual birth that frees us from the wrath that sin incurs. The spiritual birth. That's why you must be born again. Are you born again? I'm not saying are you religious. I'm not saying do you go to church. Does the Holy Spirit of God indwell you? Has your spirit been regenerated that you know that you are a child of God? Not because of what you can do, but because of what Christ has done for you. That's the basis of our redemption. Man, this message needs to be heard. It needs to be heard. Hear it again at the Hope Club Podcast. Keep these messages going. Join the Hope Club. Go to newhoperadio.live. Click the menu bar. Three bucks a week? Are you kidding? Come on. You can do that. And we'll send you an email every week, every day of the week. A devotional type email. Audiophile. Build your faith. Spread the good news of Christ especially to those that are lost. Thanks for coming along. We'll see you next time for more.